Well, good morning, City Life. Amen. Amen. And I got it from my seat without my sermon. So why doesn't he have that memorized? Well, because there is a time constraint, and I want to be sensitive to that. And if I go off script, my Pentecostal tendencies will kick in and we'll be here all day. There's a saying in my older church till the power of the Lord comes down, but I suspect a lot of that was folks just didn't have any place else to be as opposed to his deliverance being manifest. But I do, I have a special place in my heart for city life. Uh, it was a ministry similar to this that God used to rescue me out of my addiction. And so one of the things I'm uh, thankful for this season is a place where you can come and be genuine. How many of you know God is authentic? He's very real, isn't he? Okay, and he's not shy about sharing with us who he is. And much to our trepidation, he, trepidation he's not shy about sharing with us who we are. Amen. Thank you for that, sister. You see where I'm going with that. And our challenge on occasion is just to come correctly and authentically before the throne of God. We, we, we're not hiding anything from him. He knows us, okay, at a molecular level. Mm, mm, mm. That's just some good stuff. So last week we were talking about guarding our gratitude, part one, and the emphasis was uh, taken from my hit list, arrogance. We talked about King Herod. This week I want to go into the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and let's read that together. Okay, don't worry about your translation. Ooh, can you make that bigger? Thank you, Jesus. I thought I had slipped and my head took some of my vision away. Praise God for technology. All right. So now on his way, him being Jesus, uh, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met with him. They stood at a distance. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Somebody say amen for the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So again, uh, as I was sharing with you last week, we talked about how important it is to stay vigilant and sensitive to things that try to distract us from our Christian duty and obligation to kingdom, particularly when it comes to an authentic expression of gratitude to the Lord of our salvation. How many of you know you ought not take God for granted? I called these gratitude killers, and I shared that number one on my list last week was arrogance. 
and we looked into the case of King Herod, who let others puff him up to a place where he fell victim to the consequences associated with competing with God rather than complying with God and being submissive, a clear demonstration of arrogance. I suspect all of us have some arrogance tendencies, but I'm just going to speak to mine because I don't want anybody to meet me in the parking lot. This week, I want to present the case of the ten lepers described in this gospel. Their offense is not as obvious as what we observed with King Herod, but is still just as troubling when it comes to displaying an appropriate and authentic expression of gratitude. As the text suggests to us, Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem, and he's preparing his disciples for a time when he will not physically be with them anymore and he describes the essentials of the Christian life in verses one through six he talks about forgiveness uh, some of us struggle with forgiveness I, I, I got an ongoing fight with forgiveness but it's important for us to consider that the Lord understands that we have been forgiven and as a result we ought to be forgiving amen Amen. Let me know you're hearing. Okay. All right. And then verses 7 through 10, he talks about faithfulness. And I love that. I hear, hear Kevin pray on occasion. And he talks about how even when we're unfaithful, God remains faithful. Where would we be if God was unfaithful? Okay. And in verses 20 through 37, he will talk to them about being prepared. Amen. You don't have to be a Boy Scout to be prepared. Christians ought to be prepared. And our emphasis today is in verses 11 through 19. And Jesus brings up the concept of thankfulness. And that is our focus today. The activity in Luke is also paralleled in John's Gospel, chapter 11. And I want to teach you to be more aggressive Bible readers not focusing just on the text immediately at hand, but finding other places in Scripture where that same thought is being amplified. I gave an example some weeks ago about the traffic accident, and because there were so many witnesses and so many perspectives, when the officer arrives at the scene, he's hearing all the accounts so that he can come to a com comprehensive understanding of what actually takes place. And so I want to encourage you to not only focus on your one or two verses of Scripture, but to find uh, other places where that same thought is being unpacked. Because maybe in one translation, you don't quite get it. And you can get some clarity by simply reading it somewhere else. Uh, so at the border of Samaria and Judea, Jesus heals ten lepers at one time. And the fact that it includes a Samaritan makes it even more significant. Jesus uses this event to teach a lesson about gratitude to God. The lesson begins with 10 unclean men who have one thing in common, their stricken condition. All are unclean, all are lepers, all are outcasts, but they are not all from the same claim. Normally, Samaritans and Jews would not socialize, but misery loves company. 
and their unclean condition has brought them together as an awkward type of community. What difference does it make where you come from or where you are born when you are experiencing a living death? And those of you that don't know much about leprosy, it's something else. You thought COVID was bad, okay? But we can learn something here. What does it matter if we are black or white, Chinese or Japanese, Puerto Rican or Mexican, male or female, if we all share a similar condition, and that is alienation from God in our sinfulness. In a kingdom economy, we are all falling and all come short of the glory of God. And on our best day as believers, we are still sinners that have been saved by grace. I've been in some church settings where people have got so saved that they've become sedity and separatist. But I don't care how well you're dressed, God sees you in the nakedness of your sin. Who help me, Jesus. God sees you for who you are regardless of what your neighbor thinks of you. You're smelling pretty good today, and we're able to mask uh, our idiosyncrasies and predilections with the fragrance of the day, but, but the stink of my sin does not escape the nostrils of God. And you think I'm playing with you, read over in Genesis. It says that when he surveys what man have done with his creation, the stench of their sinfulness, he inhales and he is not pleased. Mm. Trying to help somebody today because you can dress up, but I would encourage you to fess up. Oh, say that one more time, Reverend. Uh, don't get caught up in your wardrobe until you are clothed with the appropriate garment of praise. You are naked in your sin. And the church of Jesus should not be a place of division, but rather a place of unity because he has reconciled us all by faith back to the Father. I don't know about anyone else, but I'm truly grateful to God for rescuing me regardless of who I think I am and where I'm from as long as I come to him in faith. Listen as they call out to him, Master, Master. And this same Greek word Peter uses in Luke 5 and 5, and it means to be the chief commander. Now, there's a man at the White House in D.C., think that he's the commander-in-chief. But I'm so glad that my chain of command extends a little higher up than that. They, they figuring out stuff in Washington, that's fine. But God has all creation in mind, and his laws are applicable to all of us, and we would be benefit by knowing that he's running things. And so the 10 recognizes that Jesus is totally control of even death and disease. And by faith, they trusted him to help them. The text continues to say that as they follow his instructions as a demonstration of their faith, they are healed. How many of us are still undelivered simply because we will not follow God's instructions? Some who profess a faith in Jesus Christ 
would rather default to worry rather than submit to him praying in faith and then have the audacity to wonder why we're still in our dilemma. God says go left, we go right. God says stand still, we keep moving. God says move and we stay steadfast. There's a problem not only with our hearing but with our obedience. And I'm just going to recommend today that if the Lord is telling you to do a thing, do that thing. Mm, mm, mm. They ought to write a song about that. Do that thing. Okay. But some will persist in activities that the Bible describes as life-threatening, life-ending, life-taking, rather than commit to the things that bring and sustain life. Move on, preacher, you in somebody's business. But Jesus says, present yourselves. In other words, come to grips with the reality of your situation. Don't deny that you are jacked up in sideways. God already knows. You might can fool me. You might can fool Pastor Christie. But God already knows what's in your heart before you even deign to darken the doorway of the church. Come correct or be corrected. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus says, present yourself, acknowledge your condition, and then as an act of faith, because they were not yet healed, it's when they turn to obey that they are completely healed for their obedience as the evidence of faith. How many of you know what the word repentance means? Okay. You sure? You sure? Okay, because repentance has two steps. The first step is you got to turn away from something. Problem is most of us like the thing that God is encouraging us to turn away from. Sometimes the thing God tells you to turn away from is six foot two and got eyes of blue. Sometimes it's a pretty young thing, and God said, that's not for you. Turn away. And then we'll go, well, Lord, I don't understand why I'm still jacked up. I don't understand why I'm still sideways. Step one of repentance is turning away. And then the second step is turning to. So if God is telling you to turn away from a thing, he don't just leave you hanging. He has a thing for you to turn to. And how many of you know that thing that he's asking you to turn to is called salvation? If you want to escape the consequence of your sinful behavior and your sinful attitude, step number one is turn away. Turn away. You can't watch everything on TV. Just because it's on the cable don't make you able. I wish more people would invest in the B-I-B-L-E than HBO and Showtime. I'm here to tell you the cable is entertainment. But entertainment will not save you. I wish it was that easy, but it's not entertainment that saves us. Turn away. They turn away from their stricken condition and then are told to go to the temple 
where a priest will declare them clean. That's very important. They can't rejoin society unless they are determined as healed. Upon discovery of their healing miracle, you would expect they would all run to Jesus and thank him for a new life and a new disposition. That they would not spare any expense, exhausting every resource available to applaud and acclaim him as truly a Lord of mercy and grace. And at least a thank you, but only one. Only one. And I didn't want to get too hard on them because the brothers are like me. We can sometimes be so overwhelmed in our condition that the deliverance causes us to overlook the deliverer. I want to say that one more time. Look, 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 look. God bring you out of a thing and we get so caught up in what he had brought us out of that we forget to acknowledge he who brought us out. I know, I know I'm right about it because I'm guilty of it. Last, last year, the Lord delivered me from a life-threatening situation, and I said, thank you. And I think I said it like that. And the Lord was expecting just a little bit more from me. Do, do you realize what I delivered you from? Okay. And then do you realize who did it? You, you couldn't do it. And a lot of us come to church like, like, like oblivious to our fallenness, like we got it all together. But, honey, if you had it all together, you don't need to come to church. Something outside the walls of this place are driving you to this place where you can meet a deliverer. Don't get so off the track there. Okay. Caught up in the excitement rather than the personality responsible for the excitement. I'm guilty of that on occasion. It, it still is no excuse for failure to render unto the Lord that which is his. And that's the glory and the praise. Remember Herod last week? He gets sideways with God and forgets that he's a little king and a little G. And God is the capital K king and the big G. I told you he's the original G. Only a gangster can talk to darkness and make it yield to light. Mm -mm -mm. I wish somebody was on my page right there. I, I, I remember my grandson's first Christmas. Shed of the Santa illusion. I'm, I'm not trying to bust nobody Christmas up in here. If you still believe in Santa, bless your, bless your heart. Stay innocent as long as you can, okay? But, but it occurred to him, somebody had let the cat out the bag, and he said, and so I, I took that opportunity to say, uh, so what do you think? Uh, he's tearing open wrappers and tearing boxes of loose. And I don't hear him say thank you, so I want to step into that. I says, well, what do you say, baby? And he says, oh, thank you. Oh, I didn't like the tone of that. And obviously from the look on his grandfather's face, he, he knew something was amiss because he's not dumb. And he goes, uh, he's searching for the right answer. 
And he goes, thank you, Papa. Thank you. I said, well, you know, I'm not trying to beat you up. I just want you to have a full appreciation that, you know, gifts don't fall out the sky. Okay. They come as a direct byproduct of somebody putting in some work someplace. And then I want him to understand that we were blessed to be employed to bless him. And ultimately, the thanks for his gifts should go all the way up the chain to God himself. But his other answer for that, I said, do you, do you understand why we give you gifts and why we bless you? And he said, well, because you're supposed to. You, 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 you my daddy and, your mom and mama and you my grandpa and papa, you're supposed to bless me. I said, well, that's not quite the answer your grandfather looking for. Let's try this one more time. Why do you think we bless you? And I saw his face light up, and he goes, because you love me. I go, now you got it, baby. We don't do it because we supposed to. It's because we chose to. And for some of us, that lesson is still not learned and tucked away. We, we have this false sense of entitlement. Like God is supposed to bless me. But that's wrong. He blesses us because he chooses to. Jesus could have walked by these 10 men and they'd just been a, a sight on his journey to where he was really going. But he wants to stop and get them to understand that he's more than a figure passing by. He's more than a passing personality. He's the God of all creation manifest in their presence. And when they acknowledge him as master, he wants to see, do they know the rest of the story? And he blesses them and he delivers them. And nine go to the temple to be declared physically clean. One considers the gravity of his situation and understands that more is required more than just thank you more than just supposed to that i should really bust open the floodgates of praise and take it to the god of my salvation if you're sitting here today and you're saved it's not because god was supposed to save you okay he did it because he chooses that not all would be lost. We don't have a thing coming when it comes to, Lord, you ought to do a thing for me. We're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and declared and identified as enemies of God. But he takes it upon himself to endure the worst death imaginable for us. He don't have to die. He's eternal. But think about how you left the warmness of your bed to face the bitterness of the elements. And a similar situation is taking place in the throne room of God. That when the Lord looks on your falling condition, our falling condition, he leaves the luxury of heaven and becomes flesh for us. Before he comes in person, he doesn't know pain. He knows anguish. 
He doesn't know uh, hunger because he's already righteousness personified. But he becomes something other so that he can identify with us in our deliverance. I don't know about you, but I think that's worthy of a thank you. I think that's worthy of a praise the Lord. I think that's of a from now until I see him face to face, I will continue to render praise. I thank God for today, a day that's not high on drugs. I thank him today for sleeping with my wife and not somebody else. I thank him for a glimpse of glory today against the full consummation of his return. The Bible says that he does that not when I clean myself up. God is a realist, if nothing else. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you about it. God says, this boy is jacked up and don't even know he's jacked up. This fool, that's how God talks to me. I don't know what, maybe he calls you his loving little lamb. But, but when, he, when, when he talks to me, he, he's a realist. Fool. Matter of fact, you read it for yourself in the Psalms. It says, the fool has said. There is no God. Okay, so you dress it up however you need to do it to get it down. But that's how God talks to me, fool. Okay. You keep failing to follow instructions, and then you get the whining about why you still sideways. Okay. I love that about God. Okay. That's why you got to give me a new name, because fool ain't going to work in heaven. Okay. And he invites me to consider the reality of my sinfulness. So, yeah, you say, but you still got work to do. Yeah, you, you, you turn a corner on a couple of things, but your list is pretty long, brother. Okay. Can I call you brother? Brother? Okay. And, 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 and so we, we come to this place where, where the Samaritan gets it. He says, you know, there's more to this Jesus than a notion. And I'll, I'll eventually make my way to the temple to get declared clean. He said, but right now, all I can focus on is I met a man. And he saw my condition and he changed me simply because I believed in him. Not because I had to present a background check or a resume, he did it because he saw that I was incapable of giving him what I needed to give him. While I was yet a sinner, he demonstrated his great love. So some of us will tell people like, get you, come, get you, come on to the church when you clean yourself up. That's not God's condition. That's a condition we imposed okay we got to get better at that church come as you are okay jesus whosoever will he doesn't say go clean yourself up he delivers them before they get to the temple and it's hard for us to not imagine depending on the circumstances of our deliverance we on occasion have been unusual in grasping the full extent of what God has done. 
The Samaritan could have gone to the temple with the other nine, but he was arrested in his appreciation. I love the way the Lord speaks to me because that wasn't in the commentary. He breathed that fresh into me. Be arrested in your appreciation of what God have done for you. Don't just go your merry way, blessed, saved, and sedity. Be a realist about your situation. That God did for you what nobody else could do. And so when the Samaritan throws himself at Jesus' feet, the Lord's response is to say, rise, your faith has made you well. And I want you to grasp the salvific element in that. He would have been declared clean by the temple priest, but now he's in the presence of the Lord of salvation. And so when Jesus says, rise, your faith has made you well, you're not just physically clean, you have also been spiritually cleansed. And I don't know about you, but I love a good hot shower, but it does not replace the cleansing of salvation. God takes the, 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 the desire for drugs out of my mouth. He takes my craving for alcohol right out of my mouth. He takes my lust for earthly pleasures and replaces it with a longing for kingdom treasure. How dare me not say thank you? And I got people that'll run up on me when I'm in the middle of a praise fest, a love fest. Me, me and the Lord just having a good time. And I get to moving. And I get to stepping. You know, it don't take all that. I say, whoa, 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 I beg your pardon. You wasn't there when he touched me. You, you wasn't in that motel room with an eight ball of cocaine on the mirror. And the Lord said, get up. I said, I said, but, 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 but Lord, look. He said, you better come on now. You better come on right now. Because you may not have this opportunity again. And with tears in my eyes, I, I, I want to say that it was tears of deliverance. But it was tears of leaving that package. And it took many miles on 96 for it to dawn on me that that didn't matter anymore. And that when he told me to rise and go, he was purging me and preserving me for a work that he had yet to do in me and through me. This is how I come to city life. A wretch still in the process of being transformed. I pray that you will know God that same way. Because he chooses to bless you. And we would be fools to turn our back and make light of that deliverance. Don't be like the nine. They'll be physically cleansed. But only one knows Christ in the fullness of his pardon. And that's my prayer for all of us today. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. I can wait on you. I see some lips still not moving. Amen, somebody. Praise God from what? whom all blessings flow.
If you got a roof on your head, you ought to say thank you. If you got something to eat other than dried out stale Cheerios, and even that on a good day is worthy of some praise. 